Thank you. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 17, 1 Samuel chapter number 17, and as always, the music has been outstanding, and we look forward to what God has for us now uh, in the message, and we're going to bring our message from 1 Samuel 17, and our theme or our emphasis for the year, as you know, you see it in our bulletin, and uh, it is committed to the cause. And uh, that theme comes from the passage that we're going to bring the message from tonight. And so we're going to read 1 Kings 17, beginning in verse number uh, 23. And before we start reading, I want to just tell you that I am going to be very pointed in my message this evening. I know I'm usually not that way, but I'm going to be very uh, pointed in my message. I'm going to uh, say some things. I intend to say some things on purpose tonight, and uh, I believe this will be a message that we need to hear. It'll be a message that will help us, and if you listen and you pay attention, you will get some insight into your pastor. You'll get some insight into what I believe is the focus of this church, and so I trust that we'll allow the Lord to speak to our hearts tonight and allow the Word of God to uh, speak to us this evening. First Kings 17, verse number 23. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Verse 29, And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. And he sent for him. David, as we know, was a man after God's own heart. David is going to be the second king of Israel. The greatest king of Israel. But at this time, he was just a shepherd boy, as he's referred to, a young man whose responsibility had been to keep the sheep. We find earlier in the chapter that uh, he, all of his brothers were at this battle, and the battle was not going very well. And David's father, uh, Jesse, sends him to take some food to his brothers and then to report back to him what is going on in the battle? David had faithfully fulfilled his responsibility of keeping the sheep. Along the way in his responsibility, a lion had come to steal a sheep 
and David had killed the lion. A bear had come along, and David had killed the bear. David, as a young man, was faithful in that which was given him. But he comes along this battle, and he sees this battle, and he hears this pagan giant of a man cursing his God, defying his God, defying the people of God, defying the armies of the living God. And we find the men on the sideline and this young lad, uh, this shepherd, asking this question, well-known verse of Scripture. I imagine every preacher that's ever lived has probably preached at least one message from this passage of Scripture. Tonight I want to preach from verse 29, and David asks, Is there not a cause? And the title of my message tonight is Committed to the Cause. I think you and I could go ahead and answer the question. There is a cause. That, the question tonight is how committed are we to the cause? I want to speak on that this evening. Father, I pray that you'll help us as we get into the message. Father, I pray that uh, you'll guide my thoughts. Uh, you know my heart. You know what you've put on my heart. Uh, Father, you, you know uh, the, con the spiritual condition of every person in this room. You know whether there's any lost in this room. You know who's running from you. You know who's backslidden. You know who's seeking to have a closer relationship with you. You know who's burdened. You know who's dealing with heartache that perhaps nobody else knows or understands. Father, you know all of that. And Father, you know what you'd like for this church to do and to accomplish. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, the message this evening, the service this evening will uh, go a long way to helping us accomplish that which you'd have us accomplish. I pray that we would uh, hear with an open heart this evening, for it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Over the last few months, I've been asked three questions by different people in different circumstances. One question is, Pastor, what is it that motivates you? And then they follow that question with different suggestions that maybe this is what motivates me. The second question I've been asked by a different church member in a different setting was, Pastor, how do you get the vision for our church? Uh, I try to cast a large vision uh, for us, for the church. The third question that I've been asked by a different church member uh, in a different setting was, Pastor, uh, what got you or what gets you through difficult times? Well, an easy answer to that question, and is I think one of those general answers, and it's certainly true, is the grace of God. All of us get through life by the grace of God. Uh, that's just the simple answer. That's just the truth of the answer. Uh, God gets us through things we have no idea, no ability to get us through them. But as I think about these questions, uh, I think the answer to these questions are found in the scripture that we read tonight. So I'm going to tell you as a preacher of the gospel, as the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, what motivates me is the cause. Uh, success does not motivate me. Notoriety does not motivate me. A pat on the back does not motivate me. The cause motivates me. Pastor, how do you get the vision for the church? I get the vision based on the cause. Not my cause, 
not your cause, not somebody else's cause, but the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor, where do you, how, what is it that gets you through difficult times? I've had my share of, of heartaches. I've, I've shed my uh, share of tears. I know what it's like to uh, bear burdens and have your heart broken. I know what it's like to be uh, slandered and lied about and betrayed. I know all of those things. And let me tell you what gets me through. The grace of God gets me through. But to be more specific, the cause is what helps me get through difficult times. I'm afraid as Christians, we've lost focus of the cause. We've lost sight of the cause. We don't make decisions as Christians based on the cause. We make them based on our emotion, on our desires, on our wants, on what was the easiest way, on what would be accepted by society. And I ask the question tonight that is asked in Scripture, is there not a cause? To be committed to the cause is something that is very important for the child of God. Otherwise, how can you explain why, how a, a Christian would give up their Saturday every week, not for months or years or decades, so that they could visit some children and pick them up on a bus? How else do you explain why somebody would be willing to do that except for the fact that there is a cause. Explain to me how, why a teacher week in and week out faithfully will prepare their lesson, will make sacrifices so that they can assemble just a handful of children so they can try and impart some spiritual truth to them. Explain to me why that goes on week after week and year after year, except for the fact that there is a cause. The only explanation of why, a, why ladies week in and week out, instead of enjoying the service on Sunday morning, meticulously give the gospel and dealing with small children so that they might understand the gospel. Week in and week out, and there's some pretty good preaching on Sunday morning. There's, there's some pretty good services on Sunday morning. Explain to me why, why some would put themselves in that situation week in and week out if there is no cause. Explain why Christians sacrificially give instead of driving a newer vehicle or taking a more luxurious vacation. Well, the simple answer is there is a cause. In our text, David understood there was a cause that was bigger than himself. He understood that there was something that should be done because of the situation. And he summed it up so well, and, and Scripture has preserved it for us. Is there a cause? He understood that there was a cause greater than himself. He knew the cause demanded action. There's a lot of Christians who would say tonight, Oh, Pastor, I know there's a cause, but by the fact that there is no action that that cause determines in our own life makes me wonder if there is a cause. And I would suggest that you put your phone up and quit watching the ball game and put your eyes up here before I point you out in front of everybody. Preaching a message about a cause, obviously you don't understand that there is a cause. He knew the cause was bigger than himself. 
I echo the question tonight, is there not a cause? I ask the same question of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Is there not a cause? I know who I'm preaching to tonight. I'm preaching to what I believe is the greatest church on God's planet. I'm preaching to who? To the people I love. I'm asking the question tonight of myself. I'm asking the question to all of us in spite of what we have been able to do with the Lord's help for the cause of Christ. But Christian, is there not a cause? When making your monthly budget and prioritizing your giving, I must ask you the question, is there not a cause? Well, Pastor, I just, I just don't understand all that. I just don't think I can make that commitment. Well, is there not a cause? To the parent tonight who is half in and half out, when it comes to the future of your children, let me ask you a question. Is there not a cause? To the mom who will hold that baby in her arms later this evening, I ask you the question, is there not a cause? To the staff member who has gotten comfortable and complacent, I ask you tonight, is there not a cause? To the young couple who let others in the church bear the burden and do the work and make the sacrifices, I ask you tonight, is there not a cause? To the young adult who refuses their responsibility, chases the dollar, lives for themselves, is there not a cause? Oh, I'm grieved. I'm going to park there for just a moment. I'm grieved for this generation in our church. Not all have rejected their responsibility. But I want to ask some of you tonight, is there not a cause? See, when you come to me for counsel, or in some cases you come to me for permission to run from the will of God, to run from the call that I still remember you surrendering to, You've got to understand something. You need to understand how your pastor thinks. You need to understand how, what your pastor is motivated by. I believe there is a cause that is worthy of all of us to give our life to. I believe there's a cause for all of us to sacrifice for. And to run from the cause, there's no excuse for running from the cause. And as you make your decision, and as you come to me in the next few days and say, Pastor, I just don't feel like Bible college is in my future, I'm going to ask you the question, eyeball to eyeball, is there not a cause? Is there no longer a hell? Is there no longer a Bible? Is there no longer a people who need somebody to care for them, stand and faithfully teach the Word of God, preach the Word of God? You say, well, Pastor, I just, I'm not called to do that. Well, why don't you volunteer? There is a cause. You've lost sight of the cause. Pastor, I just don't know that I agree with you. Well, I hadn't seen you down here on Saturday with everybody else. You're not serving. In, well, Pastor, I can serve and not, and, and not be in full-time Christian service. I can serve and not be in Bible college. You can, but you're not. I ask you, and I'm, I'm putting pressure on you because I care about you. 
I'm putting pressure on you because there is a cause. I'm putting pressure on you because you're going to bring children into this world one day and you're going to want them to have a country to grow up in where they can still come to a church like the Emmanuel Baptist Church and they can grow up in a Christian home. Is there not a cause? See, I'm wired differently. You know that. I believe the cause supersedes everything. Boy, I'm thankful we enjoy freedoms in our nation today because there are some centuries ago that put down their dreams because there was a cause of freedom. There was a cause of liberty. There was a cause of a nation. I'm thankful this, this evening that I can stand and I can say very boldly and proudly that I hold in my hands the inspired words of God in this King James Bible. But I'm very aware of the generation who went before me who sacrificed popularity, who sacrificed notoriety so that they could stand and preach this blessed book and lose friends because of this blessed book and to pay a price for this blessed book. They understood there was a cause. And friend, I'm not going to stand by as a preacher of the gospel and let the cause just, just be pushed to the side. There is a cause that we must be aware of. Church member who never shares the gospel never passes out a gospel track, never invites others to church. I'm not going to scold you tonight. I'm just going to ask you a question. Is there not a cause? To the Christian school teacher who's lost their focus and their fire, is there not a cause? To the church member who just haven't got to the place where you want to lay down those carnal habits. And there's just some things in this life that you, that you just like a little too much. And Pastor, I, 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 know, I, know, I know what is right, and, and I'm thankful for this church, and I'm with you, and I want to be a part, but there's just some things I don't want to part with. This evening... I'm just going to ask you a question. Is there not a cause? Because see, our carnal desires, the habits that we don't want to deal with, don't keep anybody out of hell. Don't put any missionaries on the mission field. Don't get any prayers answered. Is there not a cause? That leads me to the church member who's unwilling to commit to an area of ministry such as the music ministry. I join, but I got to practice. Well, that's part of it. It's like saying, I, I, I'm going to be a pastor. I just don't want to study. Uh, don't want to commit to keep the nursery. And by the way, I, I, I'm just preaching the Lord put on my heart. You know my heart. I'm just going to tell you right now, I love you before I get any further. But if you have a baby that passes through the nurseries and you're not willing to keep the nursery, is there not a cause? The cause is something that we need to bring back into focus. Churches that made a difference in the past understood that the cause was what was important.
Preachers who made a difference understood the cause is what was priority. Hey, parents, it's time you get focused again. You get, you, get, you get your eyes back again that there is a cause. It'll change the way you rear your children. Rear your children for the cause. Hey, hey Christian, so I don't, I don't have anything else that I can do. No, there's a cause. As I preached this morning, you need the church You need to be part of the church, but the church needs you. Why? Because there is a cause that we must be pursuing and propagating, and it's the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to make seven statements that will help us determine whether or not we're, help us be committed to the cause. Because see, this church knows there's a cause. The question tonight is not, do we know there's a cause? I'm not introducing the cause to you tonight. We're privileged to have been part of the cause for a long time. The question tonight for the Emmanuel Baptist Church is how committed are we to that cause? How committed are we going to be to the cause of Christ? Statement number one is this. Compromise and the cause are not compatible. Compromise and the cause are not compatible. Parents, if you're going to rear your children with the cause in mind, compromise will never be compatible with that. There are some people you'll never please. Make sure you please the right ones. There are some that you'll never win. Make sure you're pleasing the God who's given you life and salvation and the family you have. Compromise and the cause are not compatible. See, I understand that as a preacher. I cannot be about the cause and compromise along the way. As a Christian... You can't make deals with the devil. You can't play by his rules and think that it's going to turn out okay. If we're truly going to be about the cause, I mean, David had an opportunity to compromise. Hey, pipe down, pipe down, kid. You don't know what you're talking about. And he got ridiculed because he asked the question, is there not a cause? But along the way, there is cannot be compromise when it comes to the cause. So we can decide, and, and we have decided and we'll continue to stand where we stand. We, you, we can't be about the cause of Christ and pushing and promoting and propagating the cause of Christ with, with, in compromise along the way. Statement number two. The cause is greater than the critic. Verse 28, if you have your Bible still open. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why camest thou down hither? It's amazing. Somebody got mad at David because David was doing something that they should have done. That is still true today. You know, just about everywhere you work, it's full of people who say they're Christians. But you be faithful to church. And it'll bother them. Because they should be doing it. 
Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? You notice the condescension. Oh, are you really going to reach the world with the gospel? Oh, or, or, or how, much of a, how much of a difference are you really going to make? Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. You know what is true? It's just something to help you just deal with people in life. The critic judges you by their heart. I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. David was there because he was sitting there. And when he was there, he saw what was going on and just asked the question, is there not a cause? And his brother became a critic. See, let me remind you, the cause is greater than the critic or criticism. Too many Christians that the critic determine their walk with God, what they do for God. Too many churches let the critic determine how bold of a stand they're going to have. See, this is something, this is something that I live by. My agenda is not set by the critic, but it's set by the cause. I'm not getting up tomorrow morning and wondering what the critics say about that book, I'm not concerned. I don't care. I don't give a thought to it. Well, you know, there's some that say, yeah, you, you, meet, you, you, meet, you meet compromisers. Compromisers are a dime or a dozen. You meet them all the time. I'm not concerned. I'm going to get up in the morning, and I'm going to hear from heaven through the word of God. And tomorrow morning, I'm not setting my agenda by what some bitter, backslidden Baptist has to say about what we believe or about what we do. My agenda is not set by the critic. My agenda is set by the cause. Christian, set your agenda by the cause. Live your life based on the cause. What is my cause? My cause is to please my God. My, God, my cause is to fulfill the will that God has for my life. God gave me this great gift of life. I'm responsible for it. He put me here for a purpose. He didn't give me life and then try and figure out why he put me here. He said, I need somebody to, to do these things. I need somebody to pastor the Emmanuel Baptist Church. And I'm going to create Greg Neal to do that. And if I did not do that, I would not be fulfilling the cause that Christ has for my life. But can I tell you something, Mom? God, God gave you children to rear according to the Word of God. That is your responsibility. He puts you here to fulfill that role. Dad, to be the Christian, the, the, the leader of your home, and to point your family in the right direction, to point your home in the right direction. 
God puts you here to fulfill those things in your life. Those of you that stood on the platform this evening and you sang and you helped prepare the hearts of people for the message tonight, do you realize what a big deal that is? Do you realize that God put you here and gave you talents and ability so that you might sing praises unto him, so that you might have an effect on on the church service, so that you might have the opportunity to serve the Lord? That is the cause that we must set the agenda by we become too thin our skin is too thin when it comes to the critic the cause is greater than the critic I've got to hasten the cause is not about comfort or convenience you know what Eliab was you know what all the men in this passage were they're what I like to call sideline Christians Stand on the sideline. They talk about what should be done. They talk about what can't be done. When somebody tries to do something, they talk about why they shouldn't be the one doing it. See, the cause is not about comfort. The cause is not about convenience. If you're going to serve the Lord, you're going to be inconvenienced. You're going to be a little uncomfortable God's going to take your plans and he's going to shake them up. The cause is not about comfort or convenience. I wonder how comfortable those martyrs of the faith were. When all they had to do was recant the name of Jesus. And instead of doing that, they faced a martyr's death. And we don't want to sing in the choir because we can't be choir practice. It's not, about, it's not about convenience. It's not about comfort. Friend, tonight, I'm trying to help all of us. I'm trying to help us because one day we're going to enter into the presence of our Savior. And no matter what we do on this eternity, no matter how much we sacrifice, when we get into His presence, no matter what we've done for Him, we're going to wish we had done more. We're going to wish we had sacrificed more. We're going to wish we had put aside our wants and our desires more because when we enter into the presence of the Son of God, the one who paid our sin sacrifice, the one by whom we have salvation, when we enter into His presence, we're going to wish we had given all of our life. We're going to wish we had done more for Him. We're going to wish we had let the cause determine our course of action and not some critic who's never done anything for God, not some critic who is, who is serving the devil more than they're serving the Son of God. We're going to wish that we had let God uh, make us a little uncomfortable so that we could do more for the cause next statement is this when the cause is ignored the enemy advances David wasn't the first one to stumble onto this scenario and because of the inaction of others the enemy was bolder I've got to be careful how much time I spend on this because it's a a point of contention with me. I'm 45, almost 46 years of age. There's a generation ahead of me that in many cases has been faithful and many cases have been unfaithful. Because of some in the generation ahead of me, Losing sight of the cause for comfort, 
for convenience, for alma mater. Now I've got to deal with the results of their compromise in a generation of compromise. Friend, when we lose sight of the cause, and we say, oh, somebody else. I, 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 know, I, know, I know what, what, what I feel that God would have my child do, but there's somebody else's child that will go to the mission field. It gets a little harder because the enemy advances. The enemy is bolder because there's some unwilling to advance the cause, to stand for the cause. And to our young people, and to our, our young adults, the why I put the pressure on you is because before you know it, 20 years is going to go by, and you don't know what's going to be going on in this world if the Lord's tarried His coming. If this world changes as much in the next 20 years as it's changed in the last 20 years, you think it's difficult now. You think, you think, you think it's dark now. You think they're attacking the Scripture and Christians now. You have no idea how difficult it's going to be because when we stay on the sidelines and ignore the cause, will you just permit me? This evening, many of you sit and you enjoy the comforts of the Berean Christian Academy and you enjoy the comforts of the Emmanuel Baptist Church because there was a generation 20 and 25 years ago who paid a price for you to have what you have. And quite frankly, I don't understand. See, I am a graduate of Berean Christian Academy. I did grow up in the same teen group. I don't understand why others are unwilling to make the same sacrifices and commitments that those before them have. When the cause is ignored, the enemy advances. Number five, duty carries you to the cause. Look back at verse 17. Don't worry, I'm almost done. And Jesse said unto David, his son, take now thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp of thy brethren. We've already read his brother's response. I know why you're here. I know the naughtiness of your heart. No. The only reason David was there is because he was doing what he was told to do. In duty, put him where he could affect the cause. Don't miss this. Mom and dad, rear your children according to the word of God. You fight the devil. And if the devil comes in the form of a family member, you fight them too. You keep the devil away from your children. You pray that God will use your children. You rear them in a clean home. You rear them in a Christ-honoring home. And you fulfill your duty. And duty will carry them to the cause. We as a church, we have a responsibility to preach the gospel. We have the responsibility, and that's what real Christian love is, to take the gospel to the lost so that they might have an eternity in heaven as opposed to an eternity in hell. And that's what love is, to tell sinners, you better turn your way. You better look to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a responsibility. If we just fulfill our responsibility as a church and as a Christian, 
the duty that we fulfill will carry us to the cause. And the reason why there's some Christians who talk about doing something for God and never do anything for Him is because they're not filling their daily responsibility. It's amazing how many times opportunity comes in the form of preparation. Duty will carry you to the cause. Number six, the cause does not consider the consequences. I don't find in Scripture David ever saying, I might die. But it was possible. Well, I don't know how I'll do it. The cause doesn't consider the consequences. Wonder how many friends I'll lose. You're not really concerned about the cause. You're concerned about you. The cause is not concerned about the consequences. Christian, let me help you. Just do right and you let God worry about the consequences. You obey this book and let God determine the consequences. My final statement is this, and this will take us right into the invitation. The cause is waiting for someone to take action. The cause was waiting for someone. It wasn't the one that was expected. The king, Saul, tried to put his armor on David. The king should have wore his own armor and walked out there and fought the battle. You think God was going to let Goliath get away with what Goliath was doing? But God was just waiting for somebody to take action. Tonight, God's waiting for somebody to take that step. The cause is waiting for somebody. Oh, pastor, we, we need to reach our city. Okay, we know the cause. Who's going to take action? Our country's going to hell. Our country's turned from God. We need a revival. Okay. Who's going to take action? Oh, pastor, we, we, need, we need to bring more buses and we need, to, we need to build more buildings. Okay. We've identified the cause. Who's going to take action? Duty brought David to the point to make a decision and it was instinctive for him. He didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to have an all-night prayer meeting about it. The cause demanded action. And friend, this book is our cause. And it demands action. So tonight, as we go into invitation, the cause speaks to us tonight. I want some of our young people, from, from, from our elementary age to our teenage age, I want you to get, get a thought of this. In spite of what you could do with your life, I want you to take a long look at the cause. Hey, young adult, what about the cause? And, I, and I've been as blunt 
and I'm trying to be as helpful as I can possibly be tonight before some of you could even talk about the cause, you ought to hit this altar tonight and get right with God. The cause is there. The cause is waiting for somebody to take action. Hey, young man, young lady, have you forgotten about that time you surrendered? God hasn't. Have you forgotten the vow that you made? God hasn't. Hey, mom and dad, you remember when you dedicated your child in front of the church? Has your focus changed? The cause. The cause. I realize that preaching like this does not make me popular. I realize that being about the cause is never going to get me invited to preach some places. That's not why I preach. The cause is worthy. The cause is worthy. What are you going to do about the cause? We're a church about the cause. But what are you doing about the cause? We stand to our feet tonight.